Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, there are so many things that we neglect in our life when we're busy being busy or when we're not mindful of what we're doing each day. In this episode, my guest, Gary Ware, and I discuss a very important element that many people neglect, something that can have a huge effect on all areas of your life, play. And you know, when I got the opportunity to talk to someone about play, I just jumped at it as I love play and I think it's so important. And I always kind of wonder, like, when and why did we forget how to play as adults? Well, in this episode, Gary and I dive into that, along with the relationship between happiness, success, and choice, learning through play, the importance of play, growing through play, and living a life of gratitude. There are so many things that Gary and I bring up during this episode, and I've linked to everything in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. So make sure you go over there to check them all out reference the books and also some videos that we talk about. And there's also a free download of Gary's free ebook um, that I've linked to in the show notes as well at liveimmediately.com. Now, Gary is charismatic, fun, and someone who's going to power up your day with a little play. I hope you enjoy my playful conversation with Gary Weir. Hi, Gary. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you doing, Mike? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Very well indeed. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? I am in sunny San Diego. And San Diego, that's in California? Yeah, that's in California. It's uh, Southern California, to be exact. Oh. We're right above the Mexican border. Ah, happy days. Beautiful. I have, I've been to California. I don't think I've been down as far as San Diego, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those hidden gems, I like to say. Uh, and maybe it's a good thing you didn't come to San Diego because uh, most people who come here don't want to go back. So <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, nice. But, mate, I wanted to chat to you today because often when people aren't living immediately and they're stuck in that numbingless kind of day-to-day of life, one of the big things that they neglect or forget to do is play and you run a company in the states called breakthrough play and this is where you help professionals increase their confidence creativity and happiness through play and when i landed on you and was able to connect with you i was like i've i've got to have gary on the podcast this is this is this is all part of my bag i love it and this might sound like a bit of a weird question but how how did you get into play um how I got into play uh, was really interesting because I, just like most uh, most people listening, um, you know, thought that uh, in order to be happy, you need to be successful. Um, and I did all the things that I thought I needed to do. You know, I got a good job. I got married, um, you know, and now I have a kid. Uh, but yet happiness didn't come. Um, you know, I was, you know, in a job that I loved. And was getting burnt out uh, because I was just working and working and working. And then, um, you know, after 
just much frustration, you know, just thinking like, what's wrong with me? You know, thinking that I was broken. Um, I got into, um, improvisation. Um, and so if you're not familiar with improvisation, it's, it's, uh, like the TV show here in the States called whose line is it anyway? I, I believe that show is also, um, it originated in, in, in England, uh, but improv is basically a group of people. You, um, take a suggestion and you make up, um, like a little skit and, in the process of learning about improvisation and, and what it takes to be a good improviser, um, I just realized that I wasn't playing enough. Um, and I don't know about you, Mike, but one of the things that, you know, I thought to be true was play is something that kids do. You know, mm. once you're an adult, um, you know, there's not enough time for play. Um, you know, you play when the work is done, but in this day and age, the work is never done. Um, so after I got hooked on improvisation, um, I realized I said, wow, more people need this. Um, and, you know, long story short, you know, I started helping, you know, people that were, you know, facing burnout like myself. And I created um, a site uh, called Breakthrough Cocktail. And the whole aim of Breakthrough Cocktail was what is the recipe for a happy and fulfilled life? And after doing that for about a year and a half and, and doing workshops and, and whatnot, I realized the missing ingredient was play. And then I, once I found that out, I was like, oh my gosh, more people need to know about this. And so that's what I made uh, the slight pivot and change from breakthrough cocktail to breakthrough play. Uh, lovely. And it's really interesting there that you talk about, you know, happiness and success. So if, if happiness doesn't follow success, and I guess then when you're talking about success, it's that success in business and often wealth and things like that. So how then do you, I guess, now see success? Like if I said, you know, like describe success to me, what what is that picture? Yeah, success, you know, just like anything is, is unique to each person. But I feel like success is, it's like something that, I, it's hard to describe, you know, what success is. Um, I know for me, success isn't what it used to be. Um, you know, success isn't, you know, getting, you know, landing that job or, or, you know, getting, you know, all that wealth. Um, for me, I feel like success is being able to feel fulfilled mm. in whatever you're doing um, and being around people that light you up, that, that you know make you feel whole and and it's really interesting quick story um so i went to a movie uh with my wife and um at our movie theater there was this guy uh, he was a ticket taker older gentleman his name is rb don't ask what it stands for if you if you ask him he'll he'll go off but uh nonetheless um and this guy was such a delight like like you walk up to him and you can just feel his energy. I, I I don't know about you, but like when you're around someone that just radiates happiness, you can just feel it. It just like goes off of them. And this, this guy, he was just whistling and, and so happy to meet everyone taking your tickets. And I like, and I saw him time and time again, that was like one of the delights of going to the movie is like, wow, is RB going to be there? And, you know, I asked him once I said, wow, RB, like, why, like, you're just so happy, upbeat. And he said, yeah, I choose to be. Like, I just love my job. I love interacting with people. And it's so interesting. You know, for him, he's successful because he chooses to be successful. He chooses to see his situation as something where he has control over and he doesn't have to be cynical or anything like that. But um, you see other people in the same job 
and they hate it. Mm. You know, they're miserable and disgruntled. But RB, he sees the opposite. And that's one of the things where I feel like it's, you know, perspective is unique to the person. And you can be in the same situation and see it completely different. Yeah, I, mate, I totally agree with you there. And because I've, you know, I'm, I'm quite skeptical about, hey, do this, do that, and that's where happiness lives, or this notion that we arrive at happiness, because if you're not happy without it, you're never going to be happy with it. But yep. when, you, when you talk about that choice, and I think you and I are both on the same page there, are there any strategies that you, that you put into your life that enable you to, I guess, choose happiness and and choose right now to be optimistic. Yeah. And a lot of this came from like, I feel like you have to hit, uh, and this is what's unfortunate. Um, like I feel like a lot of times you have to hit that point of like, what is going on with me before you realize, you know what I need to choose to be different. And, and for someone listening, that's where I want to give you the advice of, you know what, you don't have to get there. Um, it, it does it, like most people, like when you can't go any further, that's where you're like, you know what, I guess I, sh you know, I did all these things I should turn around. Um, but going back to myself, one of the things that I strive on a day to day basis is to live a life of gratitude. And it sounds so cheesy when I say it, I know it's, it's like, I, you've heard it time and time again, mm -hmm. be grateful. Um, but it works. And it's one of these things where, uh, you know, there's a, a few things that I strive to do, you know, every day. Um, and it just makes things better. It doesn't mean that like every day I'm like walking on rainbows and stuff like that, but I'm just saying, um, in comparison, uh, most days are good and I have a choice whether I, you know, want to have a good day or a bad day. And I have a choice on how I can respond to the things that happen to me because I know that I can't control other people's actions. I can't control um, the things that happen to me, but I can choose how I respond to it. So first and foremost, gratitude. Gratitude is hugely important. I wake up every day um, and I list off, um, you know, as part of my uh, morning ritual and actually, you know, having a newborn son, uh, that morning ritual is turning into like an afternoon or evening ritual. But I, I uh, strive to at least every day sit down and think about what are the three things that I'm grateful for. Um, and after you do this practice, you're going to go through the typical stuff. And then it's going to be, you know, um, a challenge to like find other things. You know, once you already talked about, oh, I'm grateful for my wife or my family or the people I work with. Now it's all about like, ooh, now it becomes a game. Like, all right, what else can I be grateful for? For me, one of the things I was grateful for yesterday was that I was able to find a parking spot at um, the the doctor's office uh, where we had to take our son uh, when it's typically almost impossible to find a parking spot in the front. So I was grateful for that. <laughs> that you know, and and when you live a life of of gratitude, uh, there's a really good book. Uh, it's called uh, Thank and Grow Rich. Not to be confused with Think and Grow Rich, but it's called Thank and grow rich. And in that book, um, they talk about how um, is by a gal by the name of Pangrote, and she talks about just that: uh, people that um, you know really resonate with gratitude. Uh, they, you know, 
they believe that anything's possible. And it, again, I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna or, or you know, one of those rose-colored glasses. I'm just saying once you start believing that, um, you know, you get off of the frequency of skeptic, uh, being a skeptic or, or being a worrywart, um, you start actually seeing, and this is where, you know, awareness comes into play. Um, for the people listening, you should look up the video, the awareness test on YouTube. And it's a, uh, have you seen that video, Mike? No, I haven't, but I, I will definitely link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it's where uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but they're going to have you do a test. And uh, I bet you everyone's going to get the test right. But there's something that else that you'll realize. And when I started you know, really being grateful for stuff. It's very simple, but I started seeing more things to be grateful for. And then the second thing that I try to do is I try to uh, play, um, you know, in some way, shape or form every day. And sometimes it's as quick as five minutes. Sometimes it's longer, you know, and I, and I have the luxury of, you know, um, you know, playing, you know, 30 minutes. And again, play is something that's very personal to everyone. So how I play uh, what lights me up may not light you up, but um, for someone who is looking to add more play to their life, here's a question for you is when you were young, um, how did you like to play? Um, and I'm pretty sure you fall into a few different archetypes. Um, you know, some of those archetypes are very simple, like a storyteller, you know, someone that enjoyed uh, so like storytelling type games. Uh, someone might uh, be a typical collector, um, you know, and that's like collecting baseball cards or bottle caps or something like that. Uh, someone else may fall into the form of um, what I like to call the jokester. And that's someone that like myself, I, I, I fall into a few different ones. Um, and most people probably would too, but, um, I, as a kid, I loved, uh, playing practical jokes on people. Um, you know, April 1st is coming up April fool's day here in, um, you know, the U S and as a kid, that was like my favorite holiday of how can I prank? Um, how can I prank, um, you know, friends and family and in, in, in a fun, in a fun way. Um, you know, so going back to my point is how did you play as a child and how can you bring back some of that, uh, play energy into your day-to-day -day life now? And for me, um, you know, some of the things that I like to do was again, storytelling, connecting with other people. Um, I did a, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, prankster and, and collecting, but some of the things that I typically do is, um, right now, uh, magic is something that, that I like to do. And so I'm not trying to be a David Blaine or a Darren Brown, um, but, you know, just trying to get better and knowing that I'm not necessarily going to be like the best magician, but it's still satisfying. Mm. Oh, wow, man. That's um, really interesting. And it's it's funny that you do break down with like gratitude there and the simple things like finding that, that parking spot because it's when you can be really appreciative of those simple things. That's really what life is made up of. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch yep. of little simple things kind of taking place. But you've spoken, you've spoken there about, I guess, that, that turning point and that feeling of being burnt out. And I, I know that you've said before that you, were, you felt that you were working more than you were living. But how did you go through that process of being able to, I guess, really turn that around because I find that a lot of the people 
that will reach out to me, it's not that their their lives is their life is that bad. It's just that, it, that it's a little bit beige, and they're like, is there something more? Like some, I feel like something's missing. You know, what could that be? So how did you how did you kind of pivot there? How did you kind of make that mm-hmm. turn in your life? Um, I I was exactly in the same in the same boat where I like I felt lost. I, I felt like, and I it was a I was a little bit ashamed to even admit this. I said, why is this? Like I have all the things that I thought I needed, but yet I feel incomplete. And then I felt like I was on this journey, <laughs> this journey to find that missing something. I had this itch that needed to be scratched, and everything that I thought I that I thought would would satisfy that didn't work. And so then. Um, you know, I just started reading books. Um, you know, I, I got, you know, really into, you know, work of Tony Robbins and I read things like the miracle morning and happiness advantage by Sean Acor, um, and before happiness by Sean Acor. Two great books. Yes. And I felt like, um, this is actually something that, um, looking, so Steve Jobs said this, like, you can't cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the, the dots looking backwards. So when I was in the heat of it, I really like I didn't have a process. I, I you know I didn't have like these are the five steps that I went through. I was just like frantically scrambling. It's like I need something. Like you know, like I, you know <laughs> uh, what is it? And then um, you know so I was just reading all these books and and um, I started reading books of um, you know, people that I, that I, um, admired. Um, so I started reading a lot of biographies like Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, um, uh, Albert Einstein. And then I started, I, I felt like with each one of those books that I was reading, um, I, a little piece of them was rubbing off on me, um, as, as esoteric as that may sound. Uh, but I was like, then I read big magic, uh, by Elizabeth Gilbert and she said it best where she said some people just know exactly what they want and they're like jackhammers and they just – and you – we all know those people that they just know what their passion is and they go for it 110% and you're like, oh, I wish I just knew what that was. And she said other people are not like that and, it's, you know, and don't feel bad but what you need to do is you just need to um, follow what – you're curious. Uh, what is it? What's follow your curiosity and look at it like little breadcrumbs, like uh, Hansel and Gretel, um, that fairy tale about uh, the two kids that um, ended up putting like little breadcrumbs to help them find the way back home. And this is a way to help you find your way back to your your own home, the home of you, the, the inside of yourself. Um, is whatever you're curious about right now, get into it a little bit and just don't feel like it needs to be the thing. And I think. Mm. That's what it was for me was I was looking for that thing. What is that magical thing that I'm just going to be – that I'm going to be into and it's going to be the thing and I can just hang my hat on that and I'll just be it. But um, there wasn't just one thing. Um, you know, At one point um, – and actually if, if you keep listening, I'll, I'll give you um, another tip in a bit that will actually help you even further. Um, and I didn't find that out until – later but i just was just curious about stuff i just and the the cool thing is once you start tapping into curiosity you tap into your childlike mind and again i'm getting i'm fortunate enough to experience this um you know having a uh you know a son um is that when kids are born everything that they experience is for the first time 
You know, it's the first time that they're experiencing it. And after a while, as adults, we get conditioned to like just overlook things. So in me following my curiosity, I was like re-experiencing things. Yeah, it's so true. I really, you know, that curiosity side of things. For me, I don't, I don't really attach myself to curiosity too much, but I know that it's what I do. I kind of mm-hmm. will, will just like lean into things and give things a go. But I think you yeah. raised a really good point there is that we don't need to always find that thing and like this is that thing that we're going to do for the rest of our life. Like I, I often say that, you know, today's not your life, but your life is today. And it's, you know, you don't need to be doing everything right now, but you kind of need to be doing something now because if you're not doing something today, then you're just really letting life slip by but so let's get on to play and yeah why do we think play is so important we think play well there's a the cool thing is for uh, the skeptics there's a lot of science behind this um and i want to ask a question um so if we look at an animal in the wild like a polar bear or um, you know, raccoons or something like that. Would you agree that those types of animals, the ones that are in the wild, they only do the things that are necessary for survival? Would you agree? Yes. Well, they play. Mm. They uh, they play as a way to improve their skills. Uh, they play as a way to communicate and connect with uh, other people, um, with their same species and across other species. Um, and if you're if you're curious about that look up do a uh, youtube search for polar bear and dog playing (laughs) i'll link to that as well i've seen that it is so beautiful yeah and when you're in a play state when you're in that playful state of mind um time goes by like that like in a flash you're completely focused you're dialed into what you need to do you get immediate feedback. And the cool thing about playing is that when you allow yourself to play, your brain is um, is actually learning. Uh, so again, going back to kids, when kids were growing up, there is like you couldn't tell the difference between learning and playing because it was one and the same. And when you play, your brain is in simulation mode. And so it allows you to take bigger risks because you're thinking, well, like this is made up, this is make-believe, uh, but yet at the same time, how you do anything is how you do everything. So your brain is still connecting the dots. That's why, um, you know, before, you know, way back when, we used to give kids toys that uh, resemble things that they would do when they got older. You know, that's why kids had the kitchens and the, the vacuums and the dump trucks and stuff like that because they're playing with these things, but it's actually conditioning them to appreciate them. Have you? There's actually a great place. I think it's in Japan. It's like a Disneyland, except there aren't the typical rides, but kids can go in there and it's all about role playing. So they have like a full hospital or they'll have, you know, the firefighters and the, the police force and things like that, or the school teacher, um, the grocery store and people, mm-hmm. the kids go in there, they dress up and they really act out the whole, the whole thing. And this, like this place is huge. It was, I've, I'll, again, I'll try to find it and link to it in the show notes, but that like learning through play 
there seems to be a lot of, as you said, like research behind that. And, you know, Andy, my daughter, she's five years old. And there's a lot, a lot of the like <laughs> early childhood centers are all about, you know, play and learn through play and things like that. But then I feel like we, we get into school and primary school and it's, it's dumbed down a little bit more. And then in high school, it's, they're two separate things. Here's your playtime. Here are some sports. And now you're in the classroom and let's kind of learn. And then in the, in the workforce, well, it's pretty much all out the window. We might, we might <laughs> yes. put some, some bean bags and a, and a table tennis table in the corner for you, but you're not really learning through play there. That's just to kind of escape from the stresses of work and, and hopefully to recharge your batteries. But why do you think then if we, if we learn so much through play, why do we get so serious when it comes to learning in our later lives? Like, why do we have to be so serious in our adult lives and in the workforce? Yeah, I feel like it's um, – and actually, I think the best way I can describe this is through a story. Um so there was this mother and daughter and it was Thanksgiving and the mom is cooking um, a canned ham. And so what a canned ham is, it's like spam. If you're familiar with spam, uh, basically it's a big tin that you have to crank open with the key and inside of it's ham. And so they're cooking it for Thanksgiving and the mom and the daughter are having mom daughter time and they're talking and the mom is cutting off the front end of the canned ham to put it in the casserole dish to put it in the oven. Well, the daughter being very curious, she questioned, she said, mom, why do you cut off the tip of the canned ham um, when you put it in the oven. And the mom said, hmm, I don't know. Uh, your mom or my mom, your grandma is coming over for dinner. She taught me how to do it. How about we ask her and find out why? Because I've never questioned. And so the grandma comes over and they ask the grandma, why do we cut off the end? And the grandma said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that I um, taught you, you know, taught you that and didn't explain it. Well, when you were younger – we didn't have much money. It was after the war. Um, and so I had a choice. Um, I can either buy another pan because the current pan couldn't fit the whole ham or I can cut off the tip and we can have two meals. And so that's why we've done it. And the mom realized that she's been doing something just because and not knowing why. And so bringing this all together, I feel like, uh, back in the, you know, uh, a while ago, you know, a long time ago, like when it was like the industrial age, one of those factories, we had enough time for work and play. Um, you know, because if you think about it, you know, people went to work for very specific times, they got off, and then they had leisure time, you know, and that's where they can pursue hobbies and they did all these things. And that was a good work life balance. You know, there was plenty of time for play. And um, psychology also states that um, in the hierarchy of needs, play is at the point um, humans tend to only play when other things are met, which is unfortunate because in this day and age, I feel like there is more to do than is physically possible. And we and as a result, we are saving play to when the work is done. But guess what? The work can never be done because there's so much work to do. And so we just been conditioned to do things a certain way. We never we didn't stop to think that maybe we need to flip it and do things differently. And I like with that, I feel like we have flipped that for the kids. 
for the kids. Yeah, we have. We're like, yes. this, this, is, this is a great thing. You learn so much from play. Kids, we want to give the best to you. Here's this great formula. But we, we don't do that in the workforce as much. And I think that some workplaces are trying to change that a little bit. But are there things that you think that we can do to help us introduce play into our lives or into the workplace? Yeah, uh, for the first and foremost, um, I feel like there's a few things. Um, one, using play as a what I like to call a power up instead of an escape. Uh, I feel like language is everything. And uh, there is a great uh, researcher. Her name is Jane McGonigal. She's here in the States. Um, I believe she's at Stanford. Um, she has a TED Talk on this if you want to uh, look it up. Uh, but she wrote this, uh, a few books, a few really good books. One is Reality is Broken. And um, the other one is called Super Better, uh, which is a revolutionary approach to getting stronger, happier, and more resilient using by using the science of games. And Jane says that when people see play or games as a power up, they're they're more likely to use it um, uh, sparingly. But when when people see games as a quote unquote escape. It's going to keep them from doing the things that they want to do, and then that's when they feel guilty. So, for example, um, say um, you like to play Angry Birds, and you saw Angry Birds as a power-up. You will play Angry Birds for maybe three minutes uh, on a quick break just to um, energize, re-energize yourself before you have to do something that is going to be taxing, like maybe sending that email to your boss, uh, you know, letting them know what's going on. Um, but if you saw games as an escape – you will use games as a crutch and it will keep you from doing the things that you need to do. Because every time you think about doing that daunting task, you're going to play a game and it's going to keep you from doing those daunting tasks because it's a, you know, sort of like um, an addiction. Um, you know, people that use food or other sort of devices as a way to, from coping uh, what's going on. So uh, language is everything. You know, that's first and foremost, um, is people realizing that play and games specifically can be used to um, rest the brain because the brain's a muscle. And, you know, how do you grow muscles is you have to give it rest. And so when people start to realize that um, and start to incorporate that into your day, because here, you know, uh, the things that are I like to say the things that are a priority, you make it a priority and you schedule it. And um People need to schedule breaks. We need, you know, again, going back to being kids, kids had things like recess. And what happened? You know, they they worked really hard for about two hours or so, and then they took a break. And the cool thing is, while they're taking a break and doing something unrelated, their brain, their unconscious mind is still working. It's still working on whatever that challenge is. But guess what? When you went back and jumped back in, they, um, you know, were immediately focused and um, they paid more attention. So, again, having that intention to take breaks and to use play and games, um, you know, as a power up is first and foremost. Uh, the second thing we touched on it briefly, and it's the whole idea of role playing. And so um, when I do workshops, I use games um, as a way to. Um, help people be better at certain tasks and certain uh, certain things. So, for example, with your teams, you can use games um, as a way to deal with uh, challenging topics like communication. And and you know, as we we talked about, when you play and when you role play, 
it you put your brain in such a state that allows you to just let yourself go. Um, and but the cool thing is, as I mentioned before, the brain is connecting the dots. The brain knows um, you know what's really going on, and then it allows you to really have those aha moments. Uh, quick story: I was doing a, a workshop with um, a company, and we did this game called Moving Bodies, and it's just a silly game where uh, first person starts, jumps in the middle of the circle, and does a movement with their body and does a sound. Next person um, does another movement, a sound that complements that, and pretty soon you have everyone in the middle of the circle moving their body and making a sound. It's like a big machine. And then the last person names the machine. And whatever they say is right, again, you know, this is just all about just impulse and just going with the flow, not trying to be right. Just say whatever the first thing that comes to your mind. And then we do that again and again. It's really fun. We giggle. It's silly. You know, everyone is just having a great time. But at the end, we do what is called a debrief. And I, you know, ask people, I said, all right, so what come, what came out from you during that? Like what, you know, you were the first person that jumped in. How did it feel to be the first person? How did it be, how did it feel when once someone else jumped in and supported you? And we're getting some really good um, you know, ahas, but then something, uh, happened that was really remarkable. You know, someone, um, and this was also really amazing because this person really didn't speak much of the whole conference. So this is a cool thing about play is it opens people up and this person, um, allowed herself to be vulnerable. And she said, wow, I get why I'm here. Mm. And I paused and I said, here on earth. Uh, she's like, no, here, <laughs> here in the company. And she said, um, you know, I've been too focused on my day to day, but this game helped me realize that sometimes you have to see the bigger picture to realize how uh, how much you're needed. And she said, I had to do my little movement for the next person to do his movement. And sometimes you just get caught up in your day to day. You forget about that. You forget that there's this cause and effect and we all we all affect each other. So anyways, that was just a silly game that we did that help people let loose and have fun, but it had a big impact, a big ramification, a big aha that someone happened happened to see. Had they not been playing, I don't think they would have got that, or at least got it that quickly. Yeah, that's, um, wow. And I guess on that point, like you do run a number of workshops with, with companies, um, which is a great thing. And I think companies that are reaching out to you is beautiful to go, hey, let's let's kind of bring a different way of learning into the company. But you also do run some retreats as well. And you, you kind of touched on it there where like there was someone who was a little bit quiet. And, and I guess in that that corporate world or, or, or at work and things like that, there are so many different personality types. And like how do you, I guess, encourage those quieter ones to the ones that might not want to do things in front of other people. Cause I guess a lot of these workshops and, and to, to learn through play, sometimes there can be an initial part of silliness. It kind of goes back to that, that childhood play that we were talking about, but mm-hmm. how, how do you encourage those people to kind of get over those fears and break through that comfort zone? Yes. And actually um, the, it's, it's perfect that you mentioned that because um, you asked me about comfort zone and, you know, helping people that may be a little bit more shy or, or more, uh, introspective, um, you know, how do we help them, um, you know, break out of their comfort zone and, and, you know, I was mentioning earlier, I, I said, I would share one more thing that's helped me. And it's really interesting that I found that once I challenged myself to get outside of my comfort zone, 
So to do things that um, scared me, um, especially in a controlled environment, um, that I found that I um, grew in all areas of my life. And there's science behind this. It's called post-ecstatic growth. So some people might have heard of post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic growth. And tr- post-traumatic growth is a situation when someone – Um, Like maybe they were in a bad car accident or maybe they had a uh, traumatic thing happen to them like cancer and you see them overcome that and then they become this just amazing person because they realize like, wow, if I can overcome cancer, I can do anything. Well, for people that haven't experienced such things, um, if you put yourself in situations where you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, consider your comfort zone like a rubber band, the more that you allow yourself to do that – the more that you expand your comfort zone. So for the people that, you know, maybe like on the fence and like, oh my gosh, that looks so much fun, but how could I do something like that? I'm not the type of person that goes and does that. Just think about this. Um, If you allow yourself to just have a little bit of fun and try it out and take a little bit of a risk, I am more, I am very confident that it will have ramifications in other areas of your life. And that is a fun way that if you want to get better at business, how about you do something like run a marathon? Because, again, when you play, your brain is connecting the dots and you it will have um, – it's like a ripple effect in all other areas of your life. Yeah, I uh, I agree there too. It's For me, I kind of look at the comfort zone often as – as comfort islands and we have to we have to swim through this sea of change like how do i get from like when i start to feel comfortable in things i'm like mike you're not pushing yourself enough all right let's let's go swim through some change now until i accomplish that goal and then i'm on a new comfort island and once i get a little bit used to this and it feels a little bit comfortable again i i try to go out there and uh keep on swimming but gary i've got one final question for you today, and it is one that I ask all of my guests, and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Ah, my perfect day. Okay, uh, my perfect day uh, is uh, I wake up about um, 4.30, um, you know, get a little bit of uh, meditation in, uh, some journaling, um, and uh, by then, um, you know, my my son's probably stirring. Uh, give my wife a break. Uh, you know, we'll have some playtime. Um, and then, you know, by then my wife wakes up. We'll have breakfast. Um, and then I jump right in, get my most important task of the day, work on that for a bit, um, taking a break every every 90 minutes for at least 20, uh, 20 minutes or so to – to do something just to get my mind off of it, um, have, um, you know, really good lunch, you know, spend my afternoon connecting. Um, that's where I feel I, um, uh, do the best as far as uh, collaboration with other people and, um, you know, the evening, um, you know, family time. And then after that, um, you know, I perform, uh, improvisation. So, um, a performance and probably in bed by, um, 10. And so, yeah, that is a perfect day. Sounds pretty good, and and kind of we started off with the improv, so we might as well finish there as well. How so? That's kind of become something that you're doing a lot more now as well. Correct. Uh, yeah, I perform 
so not only do I do workshops and, and retreats for people, but uh, I perform at a theater called Finest City Improv here in San Diego, and I perform uh, weekly uh, with uh, with a group. We've been together uh, for about a year and a half, two years, and uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, someone who was never a performer, um, and I stumbled on along this uh, this art form on accident um, to like fall deeply in love with it and and perform as much as I do is is uh completely like surreal. Yeah, that sounds really cool, man. Um so again, Gary, like thank you so much for uh giving me some of your time today and I really do believe that your message of play is something that we should all kind of soak up into our own life and hopefully the people who are listening to this that have some control at their work, so those those managers really start to think about how they can introduce play into the workforce as well because I just think it will benefit so many of the people at their work but more importantly it'll benefit the people in their lives and fundamentally the kids in their lives and um, that's really what I'm all about at the end of the day but if people do want to reach out to you and um, have a few questions or follow your journey what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah you can go to my website breakthroughplay.com I'm on Twitter uh, at Gary Ware um, you know, Instagram as well. And, um, yeah, if you, you know, you can shoot me an email, there's a message, a little message, um, box on, on my website. Um, you know, those are the easiest way to get a hold of me. And one of the cool things, um, uh, you know, for being a listener and I'm sure Mike will put this, um, in the show notes is if you're looking to, you know, get more play in your life, I have a really cool ebook, um, that gives you some really simple things that you can do um, and it will help you, you know, incorporate some principles of improvisation and um, in play just to help your life get better. And that's at breakthroughplay.com slash free dash ebook. Done. I will definitely make sure that that is in the show notes along with uh, all of the other great little nuggets that you've given us today but is um before we say our goodbyes is there anything that i've forgotten about or anything that you want to mention no uh thanks mike it's been a pleasure and yeah for everyone listening um yeah i just challenge you to just do one thing um you know block out five ten minutes and you know just do one thing that is playful and and i guarantee you're going to want to do more Happy days. Thank you so much, Gary. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.